This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. for continuing to hang out with us. It's Kelly and Ramia on AMI-tv, AMI-audio, and on your favorite podcast platform. I want to shout out a cool performance that's coming up in Toronto. We're going to get to some other conversation shortly, uh, but we like to tell you what T.O. Live is up to, and T.O. Live is always running some great performance or another in downtown Toronto, a lot of which they're doing their best to have audio described. So this is an upcoming audio described performance uh, by T.O. Live called Carmen, which you may or may not be familiar with it, but it's huge, and they've got a nice um, Mm -hmm. new rendition, iteration, imagination of it. So they say, this is straight from the copy for promo, with its fiery drama and iconic music, Carmen never ceases to thrill. In this reimagined version... Choreographer Yogan Inga takes audiences deep into the passions and undercurrents of the original story, imbuing the enduring stale with new resonance. Sensual and spirited, Carmen turns every head, including Jose's. But when she refuses to fall under his control, he plunges into an abyssive jealousy and rage with tragic consequences. Uh, The choreography involves contemporary and classical movement with artful effects. Large movable mirrors uh, frame the action and they transport us from town square through to the troubled mind of Don Jose. Menace and foreboding loom over the stage thanks to additional music by Mark Alvarez. That complements the entire thing. So, the upcoming audio described performance is at 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, February 3rd, and this is by Rebecca Singh and James McKenzie. Shout out to both of them of Superior Description Services. The show is being presented at Meridian Hall in Toronto, and $10 only for community members. So if you're blind or partially sighted, $10 a ticket for you, and they offer complimentary tickets for your support person if they're um, accompanying you as a person with a disability. You can find more details about Carmen that particular show and purchase your tickets on tolive.com and that is the easiest place for you to uh, find out more and for you to get a hold of tickets all right that's it check it out and we're always keeping in touch with to live so if you uh, listen to the show often enough you will find more audio described performances that they're going to be performing and putting on for us you have your tickets no oh i was gonna say it's uh have you seen any versions of this oh. by the way of this production uh long long no not well carmen yes yeah carmen yeah for sure yeah okay years ago not mm-hmm. that i could really highlight the story but i i even used to have an audio version of it yeah i mean Fantastic. it's a very well-known score so oh, oh, oh for sure mm-hmm. oh yeah and a lot of people know pieces from it without knowing it at all it pretty much yeah exactly Folks, we're going to switch switch gears here. Uh, very important topic we're going to get into. Human trafficking, especially of children, is a grave human rights violation. Today we're learning how the Peel Children's Aid Society is working to end human trafficking and protect present and future generations. Our guests are Alicia Booth, uh, Supervisor, Adolescent Services, and Arathi Pakanathan, Advice and Assessment Worker. 
Welcome to the show. We appreciate you giving us time. Thanks for coming on, Kelly and Ramya. And I'm going to ask if you both could uh, take a moment and tell us a little bit about who you are, your roles with uh, Children's Aid Society, uh, with Peel Children's Aid Society. Um, Alicia, can we start with you? Absolutely. Thank you for having us on today. It's really uh, a privilege to be here. So uh, as you mentioned, my name is Alicia Booth and I am a supervisor here at the Peel Children's Aid Society. Uh, my role specifically is over our Youth Success 16 Plus team. Uh, and what that team really encompasses is working with our youth that are 16 years old and over uh, and supporting them, um, youth who've been involved in the child welfare system, but really supporting them in um, transitions to adulthood and helping them uh, with their safety and their well-being. And so we come across all kinds of issues, as you can imagine, um, that young people go through today. And so we really support them um, from the place of helping them with transitioning. Um, and so we come across human trafficking as well with some of these youth. And so we're really um, privileged to be able to be here today to speak about that. Thank you. Arithi, please, your position. Hi, again, thank you for having us. Um, so my position at the agency is a child protection worker, and I currently am on a specialized team at the agency that looks into allegations of abuse or neglect made towards children under the age of 18 uh, by a professional in the community. Uh, but we also take on um, any type of cases that might be media cases or serious incident cases, which are high risk. I further specialize in, in human trafficking cases, so I do work directly with children and youth who uh, might be at risk of, uh, of being involved in human trafficking or might mm. be actively involved in human trafficking. So this is like obviously a very sensitive subject matter, not just here on the show or when you're speaking about your work, the two of you, but um, when speaking directly to people who may be involved or have been involved, there's so much that needs to be considered just in terms of sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So... Um, how do you go about having these conversations? Can you let us in on what this work actually involves and the connection that you need to establish when just bringing up uh, the subject matter of human trafficking? It's not something that we take part in every day, this kind of conversation. You're absolutely correct. It's not an everyday conversation that we have. And I think a lot of the time, it's also not a an issue that we realize is happening in our own backyard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when we do have these types of conversations or when we feel that we have to have these types of conversations with children, youth and their families, um, we do have to focus a lot on rapport building um, because, you know, what, without that level of comfort and that sense of safety, um, there's not going to be a safe space for the youth or the child to, to disclose what they might be experiencing, uh, which is which could be a huge deterrent to a child coming forward about their experience. And so to create that space of no judgment, of trust, um, and that rapport is huge, not just with the youth, but also with the family, um, to be able to trust a stranger that sometimes walks into their house for the first time and is asking um, you know, a bunch of information about such a sensitive topic. In your work. I'm yeah, I would I'd I'm also sorry. add. Oh, no, no worries. Oh, no, you I go, you go ahead. Add, no, go ahead. No, perfect. Thank you so much. I'd also add that um, even when we, we provide information or, or train our staff here, one of the things that we really talk about that's important in relation to engagement is also 
the bringing up the conversation around human trafficking. And mm -hmm. so if there is the absence of referring to, you know, this area of safety planning in a youth's life, it's not something then they can reference later when maybe they're in an unsafe situation. And so if it's not a conversation that is brought up um, and spoken about uh, in relation to, you know, their online safety, safety in the community, yes. then it becomes something that they can't think about or contemplate later. And so even though sometimes it's hard or maybe uncomfortable to broach those situations or those conversations, um, it's really important to bring up because in the absence of speaking about it, they don't have that to fall back on. Yeah. So I'm curious because you did mention, and I, this is where I was kind of going to go when I interrupt you and I apologize there, the avenues that in combating this that you have discovered um, in your defense, in being vigilant, where are we finding a lot of the luring, um, the, the getting access to the young people, particularly that are getting themselves pulled into human trafficking, forced into it, however you, the proper verbiage is um, when it comes to it. Um, are we seeing more online? Is that were a lot of that or on the streets. I don't know who wants to start. Yeah, so there's definitely been with the the last few years and what's impacted, you know, the entire world with people being at home and being online, there's definitely been a an increase and a surge in online activity. And we've we've known, we've heard research has shown that there have been a lot of a lot more attempts of people to lure um young people online. Um and yes. so human trafficking isn't necessarily just someone walking up to, you know, a young person or a child at a bus stop anymore, right? It's it's the chat rooms, it's, you know, secret apps, it's different things like that. And then there are the promises, right, that come with if you, you know, you mm -hmm. do A, B, and C for me, then we can give you this. And so there's oftentimes a promise of, you know, a better life or mm. um, access to resources that maybe they can't afford or their family doesn't have the economic resources to be able to, um, to provide for them. And so oftentimes it's happening there. The other thing that we share when we're, we're discussing this information is that sometimes it's recruiters. So recruiters being the peers of those young people. So people of even a similar age. So gone are the days where we think a perpetrator is, you know, quote unquote, in um, an older male, you know, mm -hmm. someone who is quote unquote, say maybe uncomfortable or creepy to be around. Now, sometimes the recruiter is someone who sits across from you in your math class and you don't even know. And so this is why the conversations about um, healthy relationships and boundaries and healthy relationships is so important. Right. Wow. Yeah, there's there's so much more to the conversation than what we may understand of it or just assume of it, I guess, is more accurate to say. Uh, Arthi, how about survivors, right? Like we talked a little bit about this as well, just bringing up conversation around human trafficking to people who've gone through it, um, victims of. But what do we... How do we, like the everyday person or family members or friends, um, bring up this with survivors? So that is a really good question because that is part of what we even focus on in our internal uh, Peel Children's Aid training. And so a part of 
what is really important to do is to first create that safe space. Um, so being a, being able to allow for a child to disclose some things that might be uncomfortable to them, that might even be hard for a parent or a caregiver to hear and to react in a safe manner for that child so that they're encouraged to disclose um, if they do feel like they're unsafe or if they have experiences that uh, they feel it's important for you to know. Because a lot of the time, especially minors, don't have access to resources um, without the consent of their parent or their caregiver, right? So that's really where um, the, the conversation really starts before the words are even spoken. Um, and then, uh, then there's the point of you know, we have resources in our community as well as Peel Children's Aid who can really sort of construct um, a conversation or provide um, sort of mediation or a pathway to be able to start those conversations. Um, it can happen through, you know, just creating um like a family meeting, uh, we can even mediate that. Um, if if we're involved with the family, uh, we can go through a community provider. So if they are, you know, working with a therapist, and we we can of course help initiate that conversation as well for the child to disclose to their family. Um, but for parents as well, it's around being aware, like Alicia had mentioned, that this is actually something that is happening in our backyards, and these traffickers have access to our children and youth even in our homes through the internet and through these applications and through WhatsApp and whatnot. And so having those conversations and parents just admitting to the fact that they're aware of this and that this is a safe space. Yeah. And if they, if their child ever has a concern that they can come to them is it does a lot, almost a hundred percent of the cases that I have worked on, it has been rapport building and really stating that this is an okay conversation to have and putting yes, the yes. words out there that has then created the safe space for disclosures to happen. Okay. Um, I'm curious because I'm in the corridor, I'm in London, Ontario, and we talk a lot here about the 401 corridor between Toronto mm -hmm. and Detroit and the human trafficking, but you have the also, I won't say unique because Canada has so many different varieties of, of community in it, and we're very privileged and, and love that about us. But how does human trafficking disproportionately affect marginalized people? And we're widening the sphere here. Mm -hmm. So you, I'm glad that you brought up the, the geographical location because here in Peel, um, there is a very diverse uh, uh, geographical very so. de demographic, yeah. right? And so we are in the catchment of, you know, the the Pearson International Airport. Um, and so even that, there there's a multiplicity of um, diversity and demographics in the GTA. And so when we are considering how we work with uh, children, youth, and families, we're always trying our best to be culturally competent uh, in the way that we provide service. We do a lot of liaising with our service providers um, to be able to meet the youth, meet the family where they're at to provide them with service that's going to make sense for, um, for them, whether it be culturally, their ethnicity, their language, um, and being able to provide what it is that they're going to need, especially when it comes to the safety planning and looking at how we make the safety planning realistic to them uh, and working alongside them. We know that the, the 400 series of highways um, has been 
methods of, of which traffickers have moved. Um, people moved survivors throughout the province. We know that even some of the stats tell us that I believe it's 62% of human trafficking in the nation of Canada happens right here in Ontario. And so it's something for us to be mindful about. And it's part of the reason why here at Peel Children's Aid Society, we really, really emphasize the need to work together in partnership with our community. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we are doing intentional and targeted work here. Um, we have our internal committee that, you know, meets regularly. We discuss initiatives. We, you know, uh, make plans to push forward learning opportunities for our staff, for parents, for foster caregivers. But we also know that in isolation as an organization that we can't do it on our own. And so we heavily right. rely mm -hmm. on our community service providers that are available. We actually do have a service provider table for the region of Peel um, that includes over 40 different uh, organizations. And we come together on a monthly basis to talk about trends that are happening in the region, what we are seeing, um, whether it be cross-jurisdictionally, if there are things that are coming into Peel or moving out of Peel, what are we seeing and how do we really create a targeted response um, to combating human trafficking? For sure. Okay, mm -hmm. I have about 30 seconds. What are your thoughts when talking about this topic? Can it get better, especially when you mentioned having those 40 groups come together? Uh, you, well, why don't you grab it up? Well, you know what we've done? We've done so much, Arthur. I don't know if you want to jump in as well, but we have done so much and we continue to be, you know, really encouraged by the work that we're doing. At the, Ultimately, at the, end of, at the end of the day, the survivors are the ones that we do this work for. And so we've yes. had the opportunity to intervene in the lives of many different um, young people, both male and female, identifying and really hearing their success and watching them transition out of human trafficking and into safety and stability in their lives is really why we do this work at Peel Children's Aid Society. And so it's something that we are proud of and we will continue to do with the support of our community. I can add to that. I know That's we said 30 great. seconds. Uh, uh, you just go ahead. Say, I know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so, you know, I, I think as, you know, Alicia had mentioned, we cannot do this work in silos. And so the fact that the region has brought together so many community members and the fact that even our internal trainings, we open up to, ex to our external agencies within the region of Peel, um, it really allows for that collaboration and that more efficient, streamlined um, uh, action against human trafficking. So I think we have a fighting chance if we can just continue to evolve and work together to be able to keep mm -hmm. up with this crime um, and really just sort of hopefully, you know, ideal goal is eradicate it. Wow. Thank you both for all the information and really bringing such an important topic to our audience, our show. Um, we thank you and continue the amazing work. Alicia Booth and uh, Arthi Pakanathan uh, from the Peel Children's Aid Society. Thanks again. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. They were both here sharing what they're doing and what we can do to tackle human trafficking in our communities. Taking a break and coming back to wrap the show with you, we've got the teaser for tomorrow's Now with Dave Brown episode. Find out what's coming up on their show. And uh, we'll close the moment, close the show off with a moment for you. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.